have been searching. Welcome to Following the Fire. Thanks for joining us on this journey through the wilderness. Just like Israel followed the pillar of fire and smoke, we want to take a new look at our beliefs and just follow him. And like Israel, we get it wrong a lot, we get lost a lot, but we're doing our best to, to go where God leads us. I'm Nathan. And I'm Steve. Don't you know it's all I have? Today, we have a little bit of fun with a denomination personality quiz. Stick around to the end and you get to hear Steve's letter, the Dear John breakup letter to our congregation. And in the meantime, we talk about the emotions of this in-between space, community or lack thereof, and I discover weird Christian Twitter. So I've been feeling kind of better and better as the sun, I think, has has been out longer and longer just my, oh, my yeah. general mood has been better that's good which means my i'm starting to see all of the messes in my house that i didn't have mental capacity for before um and i i was <laughs> i finally got to my office and um i've had this pack of this pile of books in my bedroom that are books that i want to read yeah um so i thought man i should it's kind of stressful every time I see the pile and it, it seems daunting. And so I just don't read any of them. So I decided to move them into a special place in my office. Like the, I want to read these, but I haven't read them yet. Cause I'm not, I'm not about to put a book I haven't read on my bookshelf. That seems wrong. Um, so as I was doing that, I started to find a lot of books with bookmarks in them. And so I was like, well, I guess I should make a pile of books that I am currently reading. <laughs> Um, and I should try to force, so it turns out I am reading 15 books <laughs> and it seems that makes me seem like I'm someone who reads a lot of books, but I am not. I have finished like four books this year. Yeah. So I, I just kept on adding to that list. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, take something useful, useful from Dave Ramsey, um, and do the snowball method, only apply it to books, and just look at where the bookmark is, pick the book with the bookmark closest to the end, and just start, <laughs> just try trying to, to reduce those down to a manageable level. But, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I've, I've got the same pile of books on my desk, and the problem is my, there's other stuff around the house that ends up, at least my family thinks belongs in my office, and so on top of this pile of like 10 books is now a couple Bibles and a couple other books and a journal and a box from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's embarrassingly no, that, high. And it's yeah. not, now I can't even see the books. That's funny. Yeah. So speaking of books, uh, you want to talk about the next book club book? Yes. So I, I keep hearing a lot about this book and I, I think we both kind of decided it was time we're trying to cycle through topics a little bit, so I guess just not have two, two that are extremely similar back to back. So we 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 decided on Jesus and John Wayne. The subtitle is "How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation." Wow! So 
Um, it's pretty by, intense. It's intense, yeah. Um, I like Jesus and John Wayne better. I can get behind both of those. I don't know about the rest of that. Um, it's by Kristen Dumay, and it came out recently. I'm pretty sure it came out in 2020. Uh, yeah. I pre-ordered the soft cover, so it's it's coming out this month. And it just seems like a very timely book. Yeah, looking at the on the back of the book, um, the back of it says, A scholar of American Christianity presents a 75-year history of evangelicalism, identifying the forces that have turned Donald Trump into a hero of the religious right. Oh, I didn't know the Don was in it. I've, I'm a little nervous because um, one thing that I've seen as people's reactions to this book is... Like f- deep frustration, <laughs> yeah. Or or like, I just finished this book. I am not okay, you know. But I'm glad I read it. So I'm I'm a little nervous, but I think this is if that's what it's about. That has been driving a lot of conversations and thought. So definitely interested yeah. to see to see where that goes. And that will be coming out July seventh. Just in time for just after an Independence Day. There you go. Jesus' birthday, right? Is that <laughs> what we're celebrating? You know, there's a fantastic song, by the way, by Iron and Wine called Jesus the Mexican Boy. Yeah. And the I encourage folks to look up the lyrics to that song. It is It gets me every time. Born in a truck on the 4th of July. Anyway, it's a good song. But yeah, so we're going to have uh, a guest, uh, Valerie Query, is going to join us. I want I ta- asked her to do it because I thought she'd have a pretty interesting perspective because um, she's actually, I think she's a dual citizen of Canada and the U.S. Nice. Grew up in Canada, married to an, a, an Oklahoma boy, yeah, and currently lives in, in the center of Oklahoma. So she's she's got a, a very multifaceted perspective. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, I always appreciated my, uh, especially at, uh, at OC where I went to college, a lot of my friends were either the TCKs, the uh, missionary kids. Third culture kids. Third culture kids, yeah. Um, but because their their parents were missionaries yep. um, or Canadians. I don't know if they were, I don't, I don't know if we have missionaries in Canada. I think they're. <laughs> <laughs> they're already nice enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're nice enough. Or we gave up on them because we 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 heard they're socialist, you know they're <laughs> uh, beyond lost. But um, always interesting to get that outside perspective because I forget that um, America is not the whole world. Indeed, it's just the best in the world. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, and we had John Wayne, yeah, and Jesus. He better not be Canadian. That's always happening to my favorite uh, American movie stars. Well, it seems like comedians. a lot of the my favorite comedians for sh- for sure are Canadian. They've the got part. a good yeah, they've got a good uh, comedy scene up there. Steve Martin is from Texas, though. There you go. So we can we can turn them out as good as anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to. I I, I came across. A couple, um, I thought, on one hand, they're hilarious, and on the other hand, they're chilling, and on the other hand, they're just super interesting. So I had a couple quizzes All right. that I wanted to 
that I sent you and had you go do them. And so one of them is, which denomination are you? And the other one is, what kind of Christian are you? And I thought this was uh, apropos of the fact that I have officially, as of last week, sent my breakup letter to our church here in town. And so I'm a person without a church. Uh, Well, I've got a church, a person without a congregation. Kingdom community, what are we calling it now these days? Faith community, kingdom community. Did you say it's... It's not you, it's me. Uh, we, nah. Maybe we can get into <laughs> uh, Not exactly. Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but I, I thought this was, this was kind of fun anyway. And I'll yeah. put the links in the show notes for everybody to look I, at them. So. I am always a fan of quizzes that tell me things about myself. I always, it doesn't matter if it's like, you know, what do you call it when it's hailing, when it's sunny outside or whatever. All yeah. of those quizzes are fun. I don't know if I've taken a quiz that I didn't like, which might mean I'm a narcissist. Like I just like to know about myself. Well, do you do you learn things from them, or does it just validate what you already thought? It just validates that I'm the best. <laughs> well, we all know that, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll do the denomination first. Denomination one first, and then the, uh, the what kind of Christian are you? So all right, the um, which denomination are you? So. My caveats on all of this stuff is it's probably just like it, it's it's made up test. Yep. <laughs> I don't know who put this together. I mean, it's like some Mike Hopkins, whoever that is. We both got this. Scientologists for some reason. It's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Seems legit though. Yeah, be careful what you say about Scientologists, man. I know. <laughs> um. So th- this one uh, was I thought it was pretty cool. It, there's a lot more nuance to it, and the the I'll just read the questions off. And so each one of them has question or, or statement, and then agree or disagree, no preference. And if you agree or disagree, then there's a slider for how low or high priority it is, and there's like a ten ten point scale. Yes, uh, yep. for the slider. So the questions are: there is one, or the statements, I should say, there is one God. Uh, the Godhead exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible is free from error. One must be a member of a specific church or organization to be saved. Um, there's a whole lot of these. I'll, I'll stop reading them all because it could take forever. But um, Yeah, that's the – they're like theological statements. Right. Yeah, that you – Yeah. How many questions were there total? I 20, this one has 24. 24, yeah. So plenty of things left out, but – Oh yeah, definitely lots of lots of the big stuff. Right, as long as it, it can put me in a box, I'll be I'll be happy. <laughs> um, so this this one I took, I took it a few days ago. I think when I first sent this to you, Nathan, and and uh, I took it again today, and I got slightly different answers. Okay, and then I and then I went back and I'm like, did I really mean that about this answer and this answer? And I, I like barely tweaked a couple. And I got back to the answers I had before. <laughs> so, Interesting. That's funny. I mean, it, w- it was very close anyway. The, the top five and the bottom five were about the same. Mm-hmm. So um, do you want to share yours first or you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Um, I I thought I'll share my uh, – so like, like I said, I like to take quizzes that tell me how awesome I am. And this is offensive to a specific group of people and I realized that, but – I felt really good that my bottom scoring one 
at 0% was Jehovah's Witness. I was like, yeah, I can. Really? I, I am I am maybe the opposite of a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> um, so, again, apologies to, I guess, all the Jehovah's Witnesses, but I dressing up in clothes, going door to door, um, not my jam. No. I like birthdays, no. that kind of thing. None of those were questions, but... Okay, so uh, this was really interesting to me because I don't know if my very many of my statements of agreement or disagreement to theological statements, if those have changed in the last maybe two or three years, like if Mm -hmm. I took it pre-2020, I think I would have gotten very similar theological things, but I think how important I think each of those are has changed. Uh, Yeah. You know what I mean? So... This, I, I liked that the slider was there. All right, here's my list. I'll, I'll, enough preamble. Okay, my top five. First, Seventh-day Adventist. What percentage match? 100%. 100%? I'm 100%. What? And I had I, I had to Google them because I don't think I know any Seventh-day Adventists. And, uh, I mean, I can guess that they do things on Saturday based on the name. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, from what I can gather though, they, uh, it's, it's maybe, I'll have to look this up if it's similar to the seventh day Pentecostal that Nicole, um, grew up in our, our guest on the, um, last book club episode because they, they, they eat kosher. They follow Sabbath. Seventh day Adventists do? That's what Wikipedia said. I don't know. Well, Wikipedia is never wrong. Yeah. Um, (laughs) they encourage vegetarianism. Um, so I don't know, I don't know what, it's like the Brian Regan joke about accidentally saying the wrong thing in the eye doctor when he's like, this one or this one, (laughs) this one. And you say it wrong and get these horrifying, like (laughs) Mr. McGee goggles. So I don't, I don't know what, what I got to get that one. Number first, number one, but there you go. Seventh day Adventist at a hundred percent. Then... Second was Episcopal, Episcopal, mm-hmm. which makes sense because I read a lot of Anglicans and, you know, mm. um, like, uh, I don't know. Well, C.S. Uh, Lewis. C.S. Lewis, N.T. Wright, and probably yeah. a lot of other people that I yeah. I, I like their stuff. Um, number three, Methodist. And I can't remember if there was a subcategory of, or if it was just like the Methodist Church in America or something. I, I can't remember. Hmm. Don't I didn't Google them. Don't know anything about Methodism. For Evangelical Lutheran, hmm. um, I think there's one. I think I drove. I'm gonna have to start paying attention to these as I drive past them in town. And number five, Presbyterian. Um, Presbyterian. Yeah, and then I uh, just because I grew up in the Church of Christ, I uh, Church of Christ ended up 15 for me out of 24. Um, with 66%, which is still kind of high, but interesting because I, I, I think, you know, for 10 years, my theology hasn't been like maybe what strong, strict Church of Christ theology in right. North Texas would be, but I can abide 44% of disagreement, apparently, <laughs> if it's where my parents go, so. Yeah, so my... My top five, and then we'll, then we'll get to the bottom ones. Um, I'm curious about that too. So I, 
I got a hundred percent liberal Quakerism. That's so funny <laughs> to me. I mean, of, of all things, I, I had, and I, I remember I took, I think I took the same test about five years ago when I came across it. Uh huh. Liberal Quake, liberal Quakerism, same thing, same thing. Really? Yeah, and I was surprised to get I that always, again. Yeah, it's that's just that. I have like a place in my heart for Quakers and Mennonites. I, for some reason, mm-hmm. I just dig. I know there's lots of problems in, in the churches like every church, but sure, it's just something I like about like, yeah. Hey, if you're gonna do something, I mean that that's old school stuff right there. Exactly, I, I'm old school. That's why. So yeah, I and I, I needed to do more research into liberal. I'm not sure what liberal Quakerism is versus conservative <laughs> Quakerism. Do you get a drive? Because uh, I, I wonder if yeah, it's not so. like that you're progressive, but maybe it's like, uh, hmm. you know. Well, Quakers are not uh, – like Mennonites are more in the direction of um, Amish. like uh, Amish, yeah. But Am I mixing li- up Quakers and Amish in my mind? Possibly. Quakers are – yeah, I should have – Looked that up a little bit more, but yeah, it's a bit, a bit different. I I know that they were, they're always well known for. Um, a lot of times, it's like primarily a female leadership. Um, what? And it kind of always has been. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, hundred percent. So, and then I got ninety-seven percent Seventh Day Adventist as well. Oh, there you which go. Which surprised me. And to to me, the thing that always. Uh, I really disagree with a lot of the Seventh Day Adventists. Is that they they have a lot of emphasis on prophecy and the end times, and I've got I've got a lot of issues with how that church was formed and leadership and stuff. But that's I thought you know, I thought it was funny that I got a hundred percent because I do think I would be extremely uncomfortable if I walked into a Seventh Day Adventist church. Yeah, well, there's one um, right over by the police station here in town. Just yeah, it was pretty pretty I new should, one. I I feel like I ought to just do it just because of the quiz, just for just to see what happens. Yeah, I'll have to see if there's a Quakers in, in town at all. I have no idea. Um, and uh, three number three was Episcopal Anglican Church, 80, 89. Mennonite, 89%. Thai, for fourth place. And I got Church of Christ, fifth place, 88%. So apparently I cannot abide... 12%. 22. Yeah, 12. Oh, man, I'm bad at math. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the math wrong both times. I just realized 54 and 12. Yep. And so my bottom one at 0%, I was kind of surprised by this, is Eastern Orthodox Church. Oh, no, that makes sense. You, you, what you've. I don't, I don't know much about the Eastern Orthodox Church. Yeah. I, I like it in theory. Um, yeah, I like it in theory, but I, I only know, I know one there's lots person. Of icons involved. Yeah, it's it's like, yeah. Um, Is it the same as the Greek Orthodox Church? It's v- the most similar to that than anything on the list. Yeah, hmm. um, they they're the ones with a Eastern Orthodox has the uh, pretty big, like their leaders go to Jerusalem, um, hmm. maybe multiple times, but at least one time for this ceremony where they get like the eternal fire miraculously appears and then they spread it and then the eternal fire spreads to uh to the churches and they kind of keep it you know like olympic Whoa. style you know um really mm-hmm. 
Um, they were extremely, the only reason I even know anything about them was um, during COVID, they were very, very militant about continuing to meet because because meeting for them is so important, like really? Catholicism is to right the yeah um, when there's a clergy, it's it's important to for them to serve you the sacraments or, or whatever the kind of the holy things are that you're that the clergy does yeah. that regular people don't do, but they like all kiss. I am now I'm they like all drink from the same silver cup or something when they take communion, mm. and Interesting. so there was controversy about about that but I have, I have a friend who i went to oc with that's like militant eastern orthodox and so really uh, always has been or just is now no he was he was converted really huh yeah so fascinating yeah so up from that um roman catholic and then reformed churches what are, what are reformed churches i don't know that's the term i've never heard of gotta google it i mean it's not the reformation I don't think. Oh, maybe. And then up from that is Presbyterian and Mormonism at thirty <laughs> percent. <laughs> I'm not even sure I'd put Mormonism in this list, but yeah, whatever. Well, the I think it's interesting how close Mormonism and Church of Christ practical theology is, and the oh yeah, they're both American. They both came out of the same practically year for kind of the same reasons and then just reflect very much the, the age that they came out of, which is modern thought. Um, mm-hmm. And then this is when, you know, like Kellogg's were being made. So people weren't being inflamed by passion and eating spicy oh, sausages right. and stuff, that's you know, right. right. You wouldn't want, yeah, so, don't look up the history of conflicts. Uh, <laughs> so this, so this is when people are, you know, trying to fight lust by eating uh, boring food, and then this is when you get into, you know, why Mormons won't have hot drinks and et cetera, because that was just what was considered like the moral people on the edge of society. Then were doing that. Yeah, in, in many of the churches, and it, there are very interesting parallels as far as what became important to both churches, how we mm-hmm. worship, how we meet, how, like what, how we live. Very, very intriguing to me. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I had a lot of Mormon friends and growing up in school because mm-hmm. they were the kids who didn't drink and didn't cuss. And, you know, they, they, to, I don't know if they, they sing were, acapella, but they sing in harmony and yeah, right, they, they really emphasize that. I've got a high school friend who now, I think he's a part of the choir, in, actually, in the big temple in Mormon Tapper, Tabernacle Salt Lake City. Choir? Yeah. Yeah. The, they're good? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. They're good at singing. I, Mormonism was second to last for me. Jehovah's Witness was 0%. I can't remember what percent Mormonism was. And then Unity Church? Never heard of them. Huh. To the no, bottom. Neither have I. Well, anyway, I thought it was fun to kind of go through that, and for for a, a kid like me, who <laughs> I've only been really exposed to the Churches of Christ my whole life, uh, it's just it was interesting.
so the the next one was uh where where let me find the location of that so that was on that the first one was just like kind of this random like it's very sketchy smart. looking by the way yeah, so, if, if so many this. so many ads <laughs> and it's it's kind of like the kind of website that is designed to trick you into clicking the wrong link so there's yes. all like get results now which are not the result they mean like get weight loss right. results they don't yeah. mean that so be yeah, careful so if you take the first quiz scroll, scroll all the way to the bottom <laughs> to the to giant the bottom. yellow button that says show me the my results yeah and it's, it was fun and if you if you get a virus on your computer don't write us <laughs> yeah so this other one is on beliefnet.com what kind of christian are you I like this one. It's it's more people friendly. It's like well, UX design is good. Yeah. And the questions were interesting. So, yeah, the the questions are a lot a lot uh, they made me think a lot more. Cuz they're they're it's less yes or no and and importance. Yeah. Um like, I'm not going to read them cuz they're really long, but there are yeah, there's 21 questions on this one, I think. Um but I had no idea what to expect. The The intro was like, what kind of Christian are you? Does your faith resemble Joel Osteen, Billy Graham, Bishop Sponge? Is that how you say it? Sponge? Oh, that's a good spong. Um, all, all, all I could think of is, is, please don't let it be Joel Osteen. I mean, I was okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. But uh, yeah, as long as it wasn't that. I got Jesus. What did you get? <laughs> Well, yeah, I got Jesus too. <laughs> ah, yeah, perfect. Uh, that's why we've got the podcast together because we're both we have it figured out. So I went through all of the questions, and I came up with your result is a Brian McLaren Christian. Who's Brian McLaren? I don't know. So uh, that's so funny. I, I was wondering if we were going to get the same one. I also got Brian McLaren, and then I was like, man. I don't like that I don't know who that is because it might be Joel Osteen for all I know. So, <laughs> well, and the description helped. I specifically remember, oh, what's the movement? The, oh no, I got to Google him again. Brian McLaren. Emerging church. He has some kind of associating with association with the emergent church. And I remember that being a swear word. I don't even know what it is, mm. but I remember that, uh, that that's not good. So, McLaren's also associated with postmodern Christianity. Yeah, I so don't know what that is either. That just means he's a liberal nut job. <laughs> yeah, the, so it, it did help. Uh, I assume that the rest of this was the same. So Brian McLaren Christian, and then it said, like Rob Bell... Which I feel like there's a pre and a post. It depends on what year, the, Rob yeah, Bell. You know exactly. So don't don't hold that all the way against us. Although I'm I don't know I'm one <laughs> of the books. Um, Rob Bell, Phyllis Tickle, which sounds like uh, Bart Simpson would call that in as a fake name to Moe's. <laughs> Does anyone <laughs> Phyllis Tickle? <laughs> I need a Phyllis Tickle. Um, anyways, um, but yeah. she wrote this. Fantastic. Um, I don't know anything about her, but when I finished with by Sky Jatani, he had further reading resources. 
And Phyllis has, I don't know, Mrs. Tickle has a, I feel weird saying it now, um, has this thing called the divine hours, which is a way, which are pre-written prayers for the oh, day yeah. and the time of the day. And it's just awesome. I, I used this for maybe a year after I read with, um, so I don't know who she is, but I like her. N.T. Wright. So mm-hmm. Tim Keller, which I'm definitely a yeah, Tim Keller yeah. fan. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, Eugene Peterson. I don't know who that is. I don't know much about him. I don't know. And then so. and this says, you subscribe to Sojourners or Relevant? I'm like, yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed when it said the Atlantic because uh, it was like, yeah, you, you, you subscribe to Sojourners or Relevant, but more likely Rolling Stone, Paste, and the Atlantic. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I always yeah. like articles that I find in the Atlantic. I don't subscribe to it, but it's, I feel yeah, seen. I feel known. Christian history is rooted in St. Francis, who leads through Gandhi to Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr. Okay. I don't know anything about St. <laughs> Francis. Uh, he, he's the guy who talked to the animals, right? Is he? Saint, Good. Saint, Saint I, I like Francis that one. Francis of Assisi. Okay. Yeah. He was like all about peace and nonviolence and like loving people or something weird. And I feel like he started in very, very popular order of um, monks. Yeah, right. Right? Oh, Franciscans. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, okay. Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr., I'm okay with those. You emphasize social justice as an element of God's kingdom. You might be emergent or progressive, but you're probably post-evangelical. It's like they're reading my emails. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested. It's too bad we didn't, like, we only have one example, so we don't know what other options there are. Um, but yeah. yeah. I'd be curious to hear what, uh, what other people come up with. Yeah. This this kind of, kind of reminds me, um, I stumbled on this thing. I told you about this the other day, but I, I stumbled on in my secret Twitter that I have mostly just to listen to the world, this thing called weird Christian Twitter, which apparently is Mm -hmm. a, is a thing. And then, uh, I got, I found a book club and like there was a discussion that was going to start soon. And I just joined it and ended up talking to these people on zoom for maybe four hours. Wow. Um, First it was listening to, uh, an author talk about their book. It was a book club and I hadn't read the book. So I felt kind of guilty about that, but they were from all over the country. Um, mostly American, but also not all American, every age, like every denomination, but all of these people who were like, had the same 2020 as I did. Mm. It was, it just filled me up. It it was just so life giving to, it's kind of like, I don't know, the hurting people that there's a handful in every church. That's kind of what I've felt like, you know. So they mm. they are the strong minority and they kind of feel a little crazy or they or like the only people they have to talk to are like their work friends or something. Yeah. The It was like if you went to a church and it was just those people, but it, there was a hundred of them. 
And so you, you could just tell that all of us had been thirsty for like spiritual fellowship. Yeah. It, it was just, it was amazing. So I'm, I'm going to try to find out how in the world, I, I don't know how to find it or exactly what it was, but this kind of goes along with the, the quest for denominations or the, or just the, the quiz, like how, how important it is to remember that we're not alone going through yeah. this stuff and that like God is working in some crazy ways and, and the importance of ending up, you know, talking with other Christians, you know, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. So, well, I'm really glad you got to, got to do that. Cause that's, that's the biggest struggle. I think that, and we've discussed this, but it's one of the biggest struggles to me, not having a, faith community or kingdom community or whatever congregation you want to, whatever you want to say is just the lack of like consistent community and, and, and uh, just being able to share your questions and, and concerns with other people. I mean, that's partly why we're doing this podcast, but, and, and yeah. I, we've, we've got our families and things like that, but it it's, it's just, it's, it's affirming in a lot of ways and it, it's hopefully challenging in, in other ways too, to, to have that around you. So, and I've talked to some people who have done the deconstruction thing and they tore it down to the, to the foundation and then tore up the foundation and walked away. Yeah. And they've found community other places and um, I'm glad they've found community, but I, I just, I don't want to go so far that I lose even that, you know, man, I think, I would say in this group, some of the people probably would have been like described themselves that way. Yeah. Like they deconstructed and they're, they're, they're out. But the, that's one of the things that made it so life giving is they were back in the conversation in this group because it was all the people with the same exact pain. Yeah. With all these varying levels of where they are at the moment but the it was so refreshing to have room for that that pain and room for those doubts in and room for everything else like it 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 was all there and and it was like going to church only there are no eggshells to stop to step on like you're you don't have was that what it was that you you just felt like you were free to say anything about anything and ask any question you wanted. Was it the, was it that kind of freedom or what? Yeah. I, I mean, the, I think that was the, the biggest thing was it was just, there's no, um, pretense or, the, you know, mm. nobody was trying to be like anything. Nobody's trying to fit in. We, you know, mm. none of us had the same anything. We, the only thing we had in common was basically our, how we had grown up and then like that it matters very much to us. Right. So the, yeah. Like the very, very basics of faith. Yeah. And just, I think, I think it's also just, um, the people who have gone through this specific American 2020 reckoning that the church is seeing, um, and that Christians are seeing that happened at a time when you, not only are you not having that community with your church because of a pandemic, 
but you're also just not, I mean, you're not going to coffee shops with people either. So I think, mm. I think it was also just pent up desire for community. Just a lack of connection for so long. Yeah. By everyone. I was just talking to some folks uh, from our church a couple days ago. Oh, it's from previous church now, and I, I found it. Uh, I found it strangely difficult to try to describe how and why twenty twenty made made so many people start rethinking things. I mean, I I, I had no problem just like saying that. <laughs> but they just seem to not quite understand what I was getting at. Like, why would that make you rethink things? Like what, you know, why, why wouldn't you be think rethinking things already? Or, yeah. um, but so it's, it's nice to be able to find a, some people that understand kind of where you're going through. It's like a support group, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that you're totally, re- that reaction does not surprise me because I think it's, I think the majority of people did not go through what I went through. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, um, it's definitely not a majority. Yeah. So it's more than you know, you'd expect, but maybe we're the 20% or, you know, who knows what, but the 80%, I think, had difficulty in 2020, like everyone mm-hmm. did with life, but, but that it wasn't a scales falling off the eyes kind of thing or a, yeah, the, I think that the two kinds of people that were sitting next to pews with each other that were very similar, maybe 66% similar or 88% Mm -hmm. similar. And then the 20% or some minority of people like us saw things that other people just didn't experience. Yeah. It's like a tornado. It's like in Oklahoma, how tornadoes go through, I don't know, Del city usually. And, and, you'll see like just a house that is reduced to the ground. Um, I this yep. is always, I've never understood this. And then there will be like a completely unfazed house right next to it. Mm-hmm. Like what tornado? I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's almost like that. Like I'm not crazy. Like there's no house here. You didn't see that storm. They're like, what storm? We're fine. Yeah. You mean the rain last night? You know, I was asleep. So right. it, it, it's, it's almost like, I didn't feel it, so it didn't happen. Yeah, and my my strong desire that I think is impossible is to be able to communicate in a way that that the majority of people can understand that. I I think it's I think that has contributed to the gulf um, or the chasm or whatever is. Yeah, it's it's so hard to like you said it's so hard to even explain it to someone and it would feel so good for someone who, whose house had no tornado just to be like, Oh wow. Yeah. I, I see that or, or, or something like that. Um, that doesn't seem to be the, that's not the default reaction. 
which is frustrating. I don't know what to do about that, but I've thought about that a lot this week, especially, but just in the, in the last year, like my strong desire to like convey what is happening to church leadership or to pastors who just, who are kind of in scramble mode or, or defense mode or just Mm -hmm. the, the, the same thing that's always happened. And I, I think I talked about this before, but I remember when people left our church and it was always, it was either not discussed or it was a problem with that person. Yeah. Um, like a moral failing or like they, they always were this or they, they, they never were quite as Christian as us. And I've had that in jobs. I, I had a job, my first job out of college, <sighs> um, just releasing some stress there from from that my first thinking about it yeah just from thinking about it it makes me really sad um i and i fantasize about like calling a you know an elder and saying like hey if you want to know i'll tell you like i'll I'll tell you what's going on if you want to know but you gotta want to know yeah that's not gonna happen but that's just my uh my fantasy world anyways first job out of college i was very naive it was a it was a group of like 15 people. So the size of the office, the TV show, the office, and it was dramatic mm-hmm. like that. And <laughs> it was crazy. And there was always yelling, like when things went wrong and name calling and we stayed really late working all the time. And wow. it, was, it was just a always anger and stuff. And I remember very early on hearing about people who had been fired or who had quit and they all had these stories about him. There was like crazy Asa was this guy who had all these problems. And then there was like this guy who was nuts and and lazy. And, and so I heard these stories about these employees who had left the company. And they were always just in like this strong negative light. And, you know, I worked there for three and a half years or three years. And I had a friend quit because he was tired of being yelled at. Yeah. Um, and he was kind of like the office scapegoat. So when something went wrong, he would get yelled at and the same thing happened. They'd started talking about him like that. I was like, wait a minute. We all know him. He's, he's awesome. Like he's the coolest. He, he is the best person here. But, <laughs> and, and so then I started to realize like, oh, those other people probably are like regular people too. Yeah. You know, I, I just bought into the thing. And then I quit. I quit that company and the same thing happened instantly. It it you was demonized. Yeah, it I I got a, I quit and then I got fired after I quit. Um and What? Yeah. So I I um, How does that work? Like <laughs> so I I quit. I didn't show up for 3 months and they sent me a letter that said you're fired. So I was like, "Well, you know, it's like I break up with you. Well, no, it's you can't break up with me because I'm breaking up with you first. It was kind of like that. <laughs> um, but wow, I I realized like they cannot handle the idea that they had some problems, mm-hmm. and so the story they tell themselves about who they are had to involve that they were okay. So they started with that. Our, we are good as a company. Yep. We're fine. So if someone has a problem with us, then 
then it's their problem. They they have a problem with them as a person. And right. and, and I internalized nothing, that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that, and it just to kind of expand on that. It's it's this feeling of if I admit that that person was great and they left, that means there's maybe something wrong with me. Yeah. And so if if I demonize them, that means I'm great and they're the they're the loser or they're the the dangerous one. And I you know, in this company, it was a toxic company. Like that's how you describe this the culture there. And one of the problems is because it's everything or nothing. Like it's like they could either believe we are fantastic or if someone thinks we're not fantastic, then does that mean we're terrible? You know, like they couldn't yeah. they couldn't um stomach those in between things of, yeah, we've got some stuff to work on. What what should we work on next, you know? And that happens in toxic companies. And I, I think, I think toxic companies are not the majority. I've, I've worked for several places after that, that, you know, there's bad managers and there's, there's always problems, but I've never worked someone somewhere as toxic as that. And the healthier the company is that I've worked for, the more they are asking employees, what can we do better? What are the problems? And the, the more it's okay with saying those things out loud as a leader and saying, we know we're not doing this as good as we could be. That's like what I look for in a, in a company. I think it's easier for companies to do that than churches. And it seems like from that group of a hundred hurt people that I zoomed with and just from kind of stories that, that people have been sharing, I think that churches tend to fall more in, in the same category as that company that I left Hmm. where the, not necessarily that they're toxic, like they're yelling at each other all the time. But when someone leaves, I I think there's a, it's more important that churches get things right because salvation is at stake and, and it's, it's bigger than just a paycheck. It's bigger than just the economy. And so I think because the people feel like the stakes are high, I think the idea of, having a problem is more threatening yeah most uh, both of the big uh well both of the big boy jobs i've had in, in my adulthood since we moved back from germany uh both corporations they both have the fairly standard practice in in the in, in america at least uh where if someone quits to go someplace else they have an exit interview right mm-hmm. and the exit interview usually consists of you know, partly like, hey, you know, sorry to see you go. What are you going to do next? But the the key points that I think are important to ask in that exit interview when an employee leaves is why are you leaving? And what do you think we could do better? What could we have done to keep you? Those those kinds of things. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that there are some churches out there that do that, but I've yet to come across a church who seems to take any interest in someone who leaves. It seems like when someone leaves, I mean, I'm obviously broad generalizations here because the church is not like a single person, but the the leadership tends to not seem to be curious at all. They seem to like, well, I guess they've gone off the deep end or, well, I guess they're gone. We're never going to get them back and they just move on. Whereas the reason companies ask for that and for that exit interview is to figure out what are we doing wrong? 
what what's 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 the hang up what what's the problem and when churches don't do that and i understand why they don't do that because most churches are more comfortable thinking that they're doing it all right already and they've got it figured out because if you don't if you don't have some of that mindset that you've got it figured out and there's nothing more for you to figure out then you don't have then you can maybe be perceived as wishy-washy or not not stable and leaderships want to appear stable at least male leader leaderships do and um that's a good point yeah and so if if you start asking people who leave is there something we could have done differently then that implies that maybe you're doing something wrong but it also just should, to me shows a lack of humility to think that you've got it figured out and that you are not willing to ask any questions at all. Just kind of, well, dust your feet off and move along to the next person, I guess. And it's really sad. Yeah. And that I don't even, I don't need an, an actual exit interview. Cause it, I could see that going really bad also. Yeah. There, uh, definitely hear some horror stories about kind of bullyish leaders of churches, you know, but, but man, I wish the internal questions were happening. Like it, like at least, at least be curious internally. Hmm. Um, even if you're not going to like extend an olive branch of peace and say, Hey, let's talk. You know, we, we want to learn from this yeah. that that's that's asking a lot i i think we're from my story my family story <laughs> and a lot of people i have a lot of firsthand accounts that there are no churches doing this so i would yeah. just like to say like no churches are doing this so that somebody can be like no you're wrong and and tell me their their experience where where somebody did do this because I, I i that would give me a lot of hope that 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 happens well, we even got a we've we've received emails from people all around the country who listen to the podcast, and the, I mean the the experiences range from total silence to one person said that they're uh, they left the, the church to go to a different church, and after they had left, the eldership excommunicated them. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's you know, the exact same thing. They sent they sent me. out a letter. They sent out a letter to the congregation saying, "Do not have any contact with this person and this family anymore because they have left the fold, basically." And that included this person's in-laws. Oh. And now the in-laws have no contact with the grandkids anymore because the eldership wrote this nasty letter. What do you mean? What what happened to you? No, I mean that's what happened in my company, my toxic company. Oh, in your company. <laughs> yeah. They Yeah, I guess they ex excommunicated, excommunicated me. And I know there are churches out there that there's all kinds of reasons for why this is happening, but I think it's happening a lot of places and I think it has been for a while, but definitely now. But I think there's a lot of leaderships of churches that when certain people leave, it's a it's a relief. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. thank God. They are gone, you know, like um, the exit interview would be a, a party if it was going to be anything because because people don't leave. I mean, people leave for all kinds of reasons, but many people leave over years and years and years and years of 
of built up hesitancy and issues. I don't remember what you said the average was. It was like seven years that someone who is deconstructing would stay in their in their church on average before yeah, they seven. before they leave. So during that time, there's the for certain kinds of leadership styles or teaching styles or churches, that's going to represent kind of a you know a nuisance a little bit. Yeah. And I remember when I quit, my my boss had been screaming at my face. Wow. I, I I mean I quit on the spot, you know, that and he was screaming at my face because a few days before that I had been screamed in the face by another boss and I you know, I went home crying. Actually my brother picked me up. I was crying and I couldn't drive, you know. And I was like, Why why would I put up with this? And then I started thinking like, wait a minute, is this what like normal jobs are like, or, no. you know, is this, cause it was my only, it was my only experience. Sure. And I came to the inclusion, like, surely this is not normal. So I wrote a letter and I sat on it over the weekend. You know, who knows how immature the letter was, but I, I tried to moderate it. And I just said, I think this is not professional. Um, I can't put up with this and I just don't think this is how an office should be run and this I'm not willing to work under these conditions and something needs to change. Hmm. So that's the letter I wrote and came into the yelling boss on, on Monday who had gotten the letter wow. and, and just reacted against it. And when I quit, his he like his his physical demeanor relaxed, he he smiled and he he was like back to friendly and i realized i had just uh lifted a burden off of his shoulders he mm. he was facing this challenge to the way things were he's he also uh was a foreigner and um a, a stereotype of americans is that we are litigious and we sue the pants off of each other so oh. i suspect he thought that you know i, I was writing a letter in preparation for a lawsuit which I wasn't, um, and so I quit, and now he wasn't, you know, liable anymore. Mm. Um, but that so it's like the worst possible place I could imagine working was this place. It was crazy, and it some of the stories horrible would be hard even to believe, except for the like four of us that all quit. But the what's so disappointing is that the church should be so much better than this, because and the leadership of it, like not. I think just the people in the pews should be better at this. And I, I was guilty of that because when people left, I assumed that they, uh, their faith was weak or they, you know, when, I don't know, women were talking about women's roles, that they were just, you know, power hungry and had a <laughs> chip on their shoulder. I yeah. thought that before. Yeah. Or they go somewhere with instrumental worship, which we didn't have in the Church of Christ. And so they're, you know, they're diluting the faith and just being like, you know, I had all these, I made up sitting in the pews as a, you know, 14 year old, all these reasons why these people must have left. So I, I guess I wasn't doing better, but I still am disappointed that the leadership who we call shepherds or pastors or elders, like the whole idea is to gently lead a group of people in the right direction. Yeah. And, I've, I've worked for such great managers, bosses who will gently lead me. Like when I do have a problem, when I do have a chip on my shoulder or when I have a personal failing, 
my bosses, like the mediocre ones to the good ones, have all shepherded me and worked on me and had hard yeah. conversations with me. And sometimes they just say good job or, or whatever. But I I have a in my mind I have a higher standard for what man, so if my earthly, you know, if my worldly boss cares about my person, cares about my life, like yeah. not just not just my contribution or, or whatever. But I have bosses that like when I when I left, you know, five years ago, the last place I worked to this place, my boss what was like ah rats okay mm. and he said was there was there you know could we pay you more was there something we could do and i said honestly it's just a a good opportunity for me you know and he's like ah i get that you should do that sure so it felt felt great but and then we have we have the prodigal son and and jesus as our examples for like what how should Christians react to this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And somehow we we've turned it into the excommunication thing, which is a crazy misunderstanding of Scripture, in my opinion. Oh my word, yeah. And uh, and just the the least Jesus-like thing I can think of, especially in that circumstance. But the the father in the story of the prodigal son represents God, and the son says, "I wish you were dead." I want out of here and also give me some money. And the father is sad and gives him that money and then waits expectantly for him. And then when he comes back, he, he welcomes him or or when Jesus says literally talks about this thing happening and says, let's say you have 90, a hundred sheep and, and one wanders off. You would think that the next verse says, Never talk to that sheep is dead to you. Don't worry, you've got 99. Focus on the 99. Or you would yeah. think that it says that sheep was a wolf all along. It, it would have followed your voice and it, you know, it's wandered off. That's Better not off what the him. verse says. No. So, where are we getting the example for how to react? I think we're getting it from toxic work culture. I, I don't know what else, mm. what else explains that. It's, it's sad. It, it hurts. It hurts me really deep down. Because yeah. it, we're talking in this case about a specific, like literal people that we've both known for thirty years, but it's the same exact story at every church that I hear from people. The high profile, you know, Russell Moore, um, Beth Moore. It's happening. Like it doesn't matter who who they were. Yeah, it tends to result in an ad hominem, angry reaction. Or silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said at the very beginning of this episode, this past a week a week ago yesterday, we wrote a letter, took some time on on our vacation, of course, because that's what you do. You stretch yourself out on vacation, apparently. Wrote a letter to our uh, to the elders and the leadership at our church, and it, like breakup letter, you know, saying. We're moving on, and here's why. There are more things than we just listed in the in the email, but the reactions we've gotten have been all over the board. Hmm. Um, we've uh, I also, after letting it sit for a while for several days and having I uh, spend some time with one of the 
one of the leaders there. After we kind of let it sit for a little bit, I went ahead and put it on our Facebook wall, wall, Facebook wall. Honestly, just because we have so many people around the world who are so tied into this, to the churches of Christ. And we have so many people at the, at the church here in town who we love and want to keep relationships with. And I, I wanted to communicate what's going on. I mean, yeah. it wasn't a church bashing thing. It wasn't a, um, look how horrible these people are or whatever. It was just to, to let people know we were go- what was going on because there's no way we could talk to everybody that we need to talk to. And, uh, so we, we, I've had angry responses, like friends who just blew up at me and later who apologized. I had one, a friend just apologized today for blowing up at me, which, which was nice. It still hurts. Had a guy that I haven't talked to in, I went to Bible college with him. I haven't talked to him in like 20 years. And he sent me this long message on Facebook about how how sad it is that Christians these days are just rolling over and accepting what the society wants them to do sure, and becoming yeah. relativistic. And I wrote him back and I'm like, you know, I love you, dude, but that hurts because first of all, we haven't talked in 20 years. <laughs> and you're also assuming that the things, the beliefs that I have and the stances that I have taken have are not something that I have studied through blood, sweat, and tears and thought about and prayed about and discussed with people and and it's been hard. It's not some like decisions we just willy-nilly came to. And yeah. so and but but then there's been a lot of people who've been very, very supportive, like you know, sorry to see you go, but we love you, and we'll keep in touch with you as much as possible. So it's it's been it's been all all, all the way across the board, but yeah. So it's been a, it's been a stressful week. Um, writing the writing the email was apparently so stressful. So um, I have uh, multiple sclerosis, and one of the symptoms is um, my upper body is slightly numb and my and my left side is slightly numb all the time and like maybe 10% numb and one of the one thing about MS is that when you are uh in stressful situations or in like maybe even physically stressful situations like a lot of heat or whatever the symptoms can get bad again and i was sitting there in in this uh this room in Breckenridge, Colorado, you, you know, it's beautiful outside, yeah. sunny and, and a little peaceful writing this, this painful letter. <laughs> and my right arm just went completely numb. <laughs> I was like, uh-huh. what? Like my thumb felt like, uh, I'd been sleeping on it and I couldn't feel it at all. And my oh, whole yeah. arm. So I had to like stop and kind of go do something relaxing and, and I calmed down again and I could feel my hand. And then Came back to Fort Collins to pick up our dog and talk to my parents about this, who were equally unhappy, um, and which was which was a hard, hard conversation. Because, as mentioned before, you know we've been in this. My parents were the first couple married in this congregation here in town, and it's been a very big part of our life for my whole life and their whole lives. So and. <laughs> 
in that conversation with them, my arm went numb again. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I need to not talk to people about this <laughs> for a while. It's just, I'm okay right now. So don't worry about it, man. But it, the, the stress and the pain and the difficulties are hard. And my wife was just asking me before we started recording this episode tonight. Uh, she's like, how are you feeling about it? Cause she knew what we were going to talk about. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I said, I, the first thing that popped in my head was conflicted. And by conflicted, I don't, I didn't mean that I was second guessing or rethinking things, but I guess it's more of a, I feel like we've made the right decision. And in some ways I feel a lot freer. I feel like I can be more open and I can be myself. I can be more honest with people about what I, what I believe and, and who I am in a lot of ways. But the, the relationships that are going to be damaged are, it, I, I, I just wish there was some magical pill that I could take to, which was it, the blue or the red pill? Red pill. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want the blue pill, maybe. The blue pill is back to happy matrix land where... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I might have gotten that backwards. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I, I, wish, I wish there was some magic wand or something that I could do to disconnect the friendships with the fundamentalism that yeah. I'm trying to get away from. And there, for some, for some friends uh, there, I mean, I, there are some people who are going to be just fine and we're going to be, we're going to have continued relationships with, but there are some people who will not. And I think my fa- I'll be fine with my family. It's, I'm not worried about having a, a broken relationship with my family or anything. It, it, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be hard to get through some things, but it's just the other relationships that are going to be hard to get, get, get past, I guess. I think I'm glad we're talking about this because I think, um, it's in this moment where you made a decision and you, you don't know, like you could have, you could have done this in many different ways. You could have, you could have made a lot of different decisions. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where like a lot of the people listening to this are and it, and it's fresh. So that's when it's like the most painful and the most uncertain, like who, who knows yeah. where this is going to go. But I, f- I feel like we are, a we're kind of the test case of leaving loud versus leaving quietly. Yeah. The, uh, is it maybe Jamar Tisby that's been, you know, advocating leaving loud um, when yep. you've got, uh, you know, racism in your church? He says, don't leave quietly. Tell him why. Leave loud. That's what it means. And I am an avoidant for, I don't know how I ended up this way. Uh, probably no one actually describes me this way except for myself. But I see myself as like a very avoidant, cautious person as far as like uh upsetting people's opinions i like i i feel like i'm tiptoeing all the time maybe i just have very strong wheat opinions wheat man opinions and so just like this is the regulated version of it but to everyone else it probably seems like i'm extremely opinionated but i i left completely silently i i didn't leave you know like in, it, right. in in my mind or in the elders' minds or in a pastor's mind or whatever, we can all just pretend what we want to believe <laughs> the way that I did it. Yeah. Which means there's – I'm living in kind of the avoidant kind of relationship like we mentioned 
a while back, like like if a husband and wife never talked about problems. Yep. Um, like anytime there was a problem, you just decided that's just one less thing that you're going to address in your life. And you just... Well, we can't walk. talk about that subject yep. anymore. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, guess we got to throw away the dishwasher um, so that <laughs> I'm living that life. Nobody has gotten angry at me. So there's that. But I have all this pent up desire, like I said, to like, I want to say something and it get through. Like, I just mm-hmm. want so bad to be able to communicate my perspective, not and even convince them. I just want them to see my perspective. I don't care if they disagree with it or or hold to their own. Um, that that's what I'm frustrated about. But I have all that. It's all undealt with, and there's there's zero chance that anything would change out of it because there's there's no pain, you know. Mm. And leaving loud, at least first of all, I think you did a a. I know you know that there's all kinds of reasons to sweep things under the rug. And sometimes there's a, there's a good time to do that probably. But the reactions that I saw to your, your public post on Facebook, I think a lot of people were encouraged. So, some people were encouraged that are staying at that church. Yeah. You know, so that they're not alone. Some people were encouraged because of people, people commented that got hurt 10 or 15 years ago. And, when I think about that, that company that I left, when I finally connect with someone, because we all got fired or quit at different times and thought ill of each other because of what we had been told, but when we've gotten together, it is so life-giving to to just realize like, oh, okay, we're, we all went through this crazy company together, but we're not like broken, toxic people like the company rewrote our story you know <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the the one thing that christy and i tried really hard to do when we wrote this letter is to try to we kind of wanted to leave loud but not leave yelling if that makes sense yeah um because if you if you have a disagreement with somebody which happens once in a while it's it's fine to have dis- disagreements and have di- different opinions about things and honestly in my opinion in my opinion, opinions about the Bible are fine in a lot of ways. Uh, it kind of flies against the the narrative that we were. I feel like we were brought up with that everything's black and white. But I think there are a lot of things, and even some of the things that I mentioned in the letter. Uh, I, I although I we feel obviously we feel strong enough about them to to leave a church. I understand that there are people who have different views on those things or haven't. Hopefully not, maybe just haven't yet come to the understanding that I have or have a different take on it. I mean, there's a lot of, I, I know that there's a lot of differences, but we were trying to leave in such a way to say, these things are important and this is something that we believe in. Therefore, we can't be here anymore. But we, but at the same time, not make people mad. And because if you yell at people, they're not going to listen to you. Sadly, I, Obviously, some people felt like we were yelling at them when we weren't yelling at them. Some people feel felt told us they felt judged and felt slapped in the face, and yeah, so that exactly what exactly what you predicted. I I, yeah, I I told you. I I can't remember exactly how I said it, but it's sad. But 
there's all kinds of psychology that I don't know going into that thing. It's, I'm trying to remember what I even said. I think it's the identity thing. So, yeah, because I've read your letter. It was, I mean, it was public and you didn't say this leader has it wrong. You didn't say this person is mean. You didn't say, I don't like the tone in this building. You, it, it was all completely, whatever the opposite of ad hominem is, ad hominem is against the man. These were all, these were all just like beliefs that you had come to about what your priorities are as a Christ follower right. and, and right. where you want to go as a family. So it very much was, in some ways, it was, it's us, not you. Like, hey, we, we yeah. have found these yeah. things. So that's, that's what we're, we're looking for now. It, more than it's like you were following a carrot out more than talking about sticks that were pushing you out. Right. Man, I'm mixing so many metaphors right now, but, (laughs) but it, that was the letter. It was, Hey, there's some carrots that that we feel it's important for us to follow. So we're going to follow. Right. But the way that people reacted, well, what I told you I thought was going to happen is that people will take that. And because they tie their identity so close into being correct about things, mm-hmm. but also just maybe that specific body, a specific body, it feels to them like you did just slap them in the face. Mm-hmm. And because there's no tolerance for, you know, like there's a range of belief that is okay to have. It's it's like, no, it's I'm either right or I'm wrong. And this all goes into, I said it much eloquent, more eloquently when I texted it to you. I can't remember what I said, but it results in people attacking your person angrily, not your, not the stance that you took, but like what you must be saying between the letters, what your intent is, what the state of your soul is. Well, and one of the things you said is that actually helped me a great deal was you said, remember these responses you're getting are pathos. They're not ethos or logos. They are, like you said, their identity. They are fully based on, I am I am this identity. You are saying that you don't want to be part of that identity. Therefore, you don't want to be part of me and I'm a bad person and I'm slapped in the face and I'm going to go to hell or who knows me. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. It's like a snowball. Right. And when when you have that feeling and, and you have the mindset that there's only one way to do something. I I totally understand the angry response. I mean, I, it makes sense. I don't, I don't like it. It still hurts, but I, I understand where it's coming from. Yeah. And it's also sad to me just how predictable it is because we've been listening to stories of people going through this one after another, after another. And mm-hmm. the reasons people leave are different. The ways that people leave are different, but man, the responses seem to be so uniform. So that's one of the sad things is like, it's not that I know the leaders so well of this church that I know exactly what they're going to think. It's just that I've seen the pattern so much. I'm like, yeah, I know what's happening. It's a people thing. It's not yeah this yeah, congregation it, or that congregation. It's just how people react. Yeah. And it's not even... I, I don't even think it's like individual failings. It's more like the system was set up for people to react this way. Oh, that's a good point. Because 
otherwise you would not see it repeated so consistently. And that that makes me sad because the I think of the system as you know infused with the spirit. You know, I, we're not talking about a bad corporate culture. We're we're talking about a group of people who were trying to follow God and. I would expect their reactions to be like the best company in the world, not, not those, um, those f- kind of few toxic companies that are out there. Yeah. Well, I, I know that there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who are kind of in the same, more or less position that we are or close to it. Uh, we've got a lot of emails from people. And um, so I, I want to kind of to close things out. I wanted to. I want to go ahead and read the letter that I wrote. That we wrote because we've had. Um, I know when I was trying to put this together, I was looking for <laughs> letters that other people wrote to give me ideas. <laughs> right? You know, and so maybe maybe this will help somebody. Not that this is the right way to do things, but if we, like I said, we tried our best to try to get across a message, but be loving and maintain relationships. When you say we, you mean you and your wife, yeah, not you and I. I am still avoiding. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm completely avoidant. It was me and my wife, and then I read it to the kids, and then they're like, you better put our names on the letter too. <laughs> oh, nice. So, they signed, well, all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's brave. Yeah. More and, power. Uh, I've redacted the name of the church, but you you, uh, you can figure it out if you want, but I don't want, it's not about, it's not necessarily about this congregation. It's just, you, you'll, you'll figure it out. The past year has been crazy, hard, and strange for all of us. Pandemic has forced us to make adjustments and accommodations we never dreamed of. When it came to church-related things, those accommodations tended to be particularly difficult, especially the forced distance from our church family. But like many others I've come across lately, that unwelcome distance gave us a lot of time to step back and look at a life from a different perspective. It's a lot like a long sabbatical from almost everything. Most people come back from a sabbatical as having made some big life changes, and that's definitely true of us. The biggest change for us is that we have decided to move on from our current church and search for a different faith community yet to be determined. This was not an easy or quick decision to come to, nor was it made out of anger or bitterness. We love and we feel greatly loved by our church family, and that has not changed. And we intend to maintain relationships with our brothers and sisters there whenever possible. We have, however, come to the difficult conclusion that our beliefs and the direction we feel God is leading us no longer connect with our current church or any of the, quote, churches of Christ that we are aware of at this time. Here's some explanation. When asked what the most important command in Scripture was, Jesus answered, The most important one is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. A church that loves God is not hard to find. Seldom have I encountered any kind of church which does not truly and deeply love God. It's when it comes to what it means to love your neighbor that we have reached an impasse. To our family, loving our neighbor means standing by people of color as they fight for justice and loudly proclaiming with them that black lives matter, until the world no longer needs to be reminded of that fact. 
Loving our neighbor means doing away with the patriarchal traditions which keep women silent and separate in our churches and allowing all of God's children to be truly co-heirs with Christ. Loving our neighbor also means loving and affirming those in our LGBTQ community so that they know that God loves them and does not reject them for who they are. Since loving our neighbor is so vitally important to Jesus, we feel that our relationship with God hinges upon doing likewise. These views have, to different degrees, not been encouraged or even accepted by our current faith community. Therefore, we long to be a part of a church that will allow us to show that kind of love to others, unencumbered by tradition and preconceived notions of what is truly important to God. I would also like to emphasize that we are in no shape, in no way, shape, or form leaving the church or leaving the faith. The church is a much broader and more expansive thing than we often admit. All those who belong to Christ are part of his church, wherever they may be, and I'm thankful that our faith through this process has become stronger, not weaker. We feel closer to God, not more distant. And please remember that we will always be your brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of the name on the door we walk through on Sunday morning. And then grace and peace to you in Jesus Christ, and we sign our names. That was actually kind of hard to read just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. It is. Uh, like I said, I'm glad that we did it. Um, I think the, especially the positions that we were in at our church as far as being in leadership and, and being so extremely involved that we were, I didn't want, I didn't want to leave a question about what, what we were doing or where we were going or, you know, what we were thinking. So anyway, not that, not that we have it figured out. I want to reemphasize that again in case anybody from church is listening. I'm not saying that we've got it figured out. I'm trying to be humble as possible. Um, I, I'm, I just want, I just, I'm trying to be open and willing to learn and willing to let God guide us in different ways and try to follow, follow where he wants us to go. How would you, how would you rate your response to the letter? Maybe out of 10 stars and we can see if a listener wrote a better letter that went over better. <laughs> how did rate my response or how to rate my own letter? <laughs> no, no, no. The, no. Like how, like, yeah, the, the response. Cause mine is zero stars. Cause no letter and no response. Um, I was uh, like rating the response that I get from other people that yeah, from the like, church. Yeah, I, I, let me let me redact the question. Rephr- rephrase that. Um, if you knew everything you know today, and you went back a week ago, would you have changed anything about what you did so far? No. There you I go. Not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So ten stars. <laughs> that's ten. Yeah, that's ten stars. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the only thing I would have done is talked to a few people about it earlier. Okay. Um, kind of ease some people into it. Do you think it, the surprise some... led to the yeah the heat think, of the reaction? Yeah, I think part of it was the surprise because we were that family that was never gonna leave. You know. <laughs> yeah. It, no. We had our, yeah. We had our spot on the second row in the center, and that the was second never row, be which is else's the spot. Which is the same thing as the first row. So yeah, so well, the first row is a buffer row. <laughs> yeah, the, the first row is for someone to put their co- the preacher to put his coffee. Right, yeah, I, right. I can't. 
I don't think you can overemphasize how how involved you and your family have been for generations, but just you, yeah. you and you and Christy, like somehow you weren't being paid, but you're practically staff, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And like I said, I think if we had, so in our minds, this was like a slow boil for a year. Right. Or simmer. But to a lot of other people, it was a, it just a sudden explosion out of nowhere. Yeah. And so. That makes sense. That's the only thing I would have done differently. I wouldn't have changed the letter in any way. I think it's it's exactly what we wanted to say. And there are more there there are more issues that that we didn't want to get into that were really more of opinion than anything. But um, yeah. So we'll you know next steps once my son's va- my son gets his last vaccination on Saturday. So a couple weeks from find the liberal Quakers. <laughs> yeah, find the liberal Quakers. See where where we go from here. Yeah, it's the new frontier. It's like being in space without a spaceship. I just hope we don't die dysentery along the way. (laughs) Yeah, I never made it. (laughs) I didn't even make it to Wyoming ever. Really? On the it's it's been so long since I've played that. I always, yeah, I always like killed people as I was treating them. I I think I was too young to be playing this game. (laughs) But because they'd give you like multiple choice, and I assumed that, like, I'd be like, "Yeah, rub salt in the wound." That that's like that's got to be the right answer at some point, and it never was. <laughs> oh wow! And now now I'm gonna have to go find that and download it again. <laughs> yeah. Oregon Trail. I think I accidentally downloaded it taking that denomination quiz. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we should get off the line before you. Your computer infects my computer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I know it's uh, it's raw still, but um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of value in that. I think you're not the only one. Yep, sure. Maybe and uh, maybe in the future we can get some stories from other folks who are going through the same thing. Yeah, and uh, hear from other people how. Other experiences have been different or the same or something in between. Be, be interesting. Yep. Alright, well I'll talk to you later, man. Alright, thanks. Steve. All these messages I thought you wanted to hear. But it only takes a whisper. Hey, thanks for listening to Following the Fire. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, which includes links to everything we mentioned, as well as all the scriptures, head on over to followingthefire.com and just click on this episode. There's also contact information on the website. Let us know what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future topics. Also, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you could. It really helps other folks find the show. And as always, thanks to the fabulous Daniel Wheat for the theme song and the music for the episode. You can find more of his stuff on Apple Music and Spotify. See you later. Spotify.